Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. As the U.S. records a record number of new daily cases and hospitalizations, we're looking at the five biggest challenges set to face Joe Biden. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. It was an election under unprecedented circumstances, and it's not even really over. The road to the White House may have been a long one, but the road from this point may well be bumpy. The president-elect has already selected a team to help him along that windy path. On Monday, barely two days after winning the election, Mr Biden unveiled his coronavirus task force. It was a move read by many as a clear sign of his priorities and an effort to distance himself from President Trump. The team of 13 scientists and public health experts have a mammoth task on their hands – or five mammoth tasks, according to my colleague Anne Gulland, deputy editor of The Telegraph's global health security team, who's been writing about the scale of the five big challenges set to face Joe Biden and his team. There are, of course, two months until Mr Biden assumes the presidency. But I asked Anne to come on the podcast to lay out the scale of the task he's set to inherit. And she started by filling us in on the current situation in the United States. Well, the numbers are quite um, amazing, actually. So for the last few days, there's been record numbers of cases every day. So yesterday in the US, there were 160,000 new cases of coronavirus. I mean, obviously, testing has increased for it so like it has here and elsewhere. But still, that is quite amazing. So there have been 240,000 deaths in the US, uh, more than 10 million cases, and according to Anthony Fauci, one of the President Trump's uh, top advisors, numbers are rising in 40 out of 50 US states. And there were also 60,000 hospitalizations yesterday or the day before. So, you know, we can say that there's increased testing. So that's why there's so many cases, but 60,000 hospitalizations, mm. pretty pretty huge, really. Yeah, it is. We are talking on Friday morning. So uh, that day being Thursday. And Anne, you've written for The Telegraph about how there are five things that are top of Joe Biden's presumably quite long to do list. Uh, <laughs> let's break them down. What's number one? Number one, and I think it probably won't come as a surprise, is face masks. And I think during the election campaign, um, well, it's, I, I thought it was quite interesting. So in a speech that he made on Monday, Joe Biden said, you know, it's time to sort of 
depoliticize face masks and, and normalize, de-weaponize them. It doesn't them. matter your party, your point of view. We could save tens of thousands of lives if everyone would just wear a mask. A mask is not a political statement. But I think he kind of did politicize them during the election campaign because he kind of made a virtue of wearing them, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a way of making kind of a, a sort of line in the sand between him and Donald Trump. Donald Trump was very rarely seen wearing a face mask, whereas Joe Biden would often go off, you know, walk to the podium whilst wearing his mask and then take it off as he began to speak. So I think, you know, he did sort of politicise them. But anyway, so he said he wants them to become normalised, like they are becoming here now, and I suppose like they are definitely in Asia. And in his list of priorities, he says he wants to encourage every American to wear a mask. And he also wants governors to make mask wearing mandatory. It was interesting yesterday, I was listening to a a talk by um, Anthony Fauci, who is one of Trump's advisors. And he said that that's been one of the problems in the United States is this things aren't done in a uniform way because of the state system and that some states have been quite quick to open up compared to other states. So there's been this very sort of patchwork response. So it'd be interesting to see if Biden will try and get a more uniform response across the states. Part of the challenge here is going to be implementing a culture change, uh, both in terms of mask wearing and in terms of it seems, a minority's attitude towards vaccines. There is a sense of vaccine hesitancy in in the US, isn't there? And that is, in fact, Biden's big challenge number two, Anne, on your list. Tell us about that. So obviously the news on Monday about the Pfizer vaccine is really good news. So he says he's going to invest $25 billion in vaccine manufacturing and distribution that will, in quotes, guarantee it gets to every American cost free. That's obviously a big question in the US where the cost of healthcare are very uh, is a real hot button issue. But I think, you know, whether people will actually have the vaccine is another huge question. I mean, I would say it was more than a minority. I think polls, most polls show that around half of people would refuse a COVID vaccine if offered to them. Wow. And um, I don't think President Trump really helped that because he was talking about getting this vaccine out before the elections. I don't know if you remember that, which I think, you know, would obviously worry people if this idea that maybe he's trying to politicise vaccines. So, you know, that is a that is a big problem. And we saw sort of pockets of vaccine scepticism with uh, measles a few years ago. There was parts of this parts of New York and it was very different I mean I think there were parts of sort of maybe the more kind of hipster type areas and that was sort of driven by people wanting to be healthy and Mm. so-called healthy you know sort of not wanting chemicals in their bodies and that kind of thing. That 50% uh, figure that polls suggest uh, 50% of Americans could refuse the Covid vaccine is really striking Mm. but there is a reason isn't there Anne why vaccine scepticism is perhaps higher in the US than elsewhere. Yes, so it's really interesting. So in 1976, US President Gerald Ford was seen to have rushed a rollout of a swine flu vaccine. There was a, a fear that there was a swine flu pandemic about to sweep the world. The pandemic never came, but the vaccine was rolled out. And um, 45 million people in the US received the vaccine and 450 got a neurological condition called Guillain-Barre. I mean, I know it sounds tiny, but, you know, it's it's significant. Um, so more than 30 people died and that caused a huge scandal and also led to introductions of really strong safety regulations in terms of 
trials for vaccines and drug development. The Lancet Medical Journal estimates that around 60 to 72 percent of the population would need to be immune to coronavirus, either naturally or or through vaccination in order to achieve herd immunity. Mm -hmm. Before we reach that point, the message from the WHO is pretty clear, test and trace. And this brings us on to the big challenge number three for Mr. Biden, which is implementing a a contact tracing system. There is no Mm -hmm. contact tracing system in the US, is there? No, well, I mean, it's been a problem in in many countries, you know, that this is something that I think has fallen by the wayside. So Mr. Biden, he's said that he's going to employ 100,000 contact tracers. So we'll have to wait and see whether that happens and whether that works. Obviously, that's a great, a very good plan. But, you know, the devil is in the detail and all those all these things. There have been difficulties because of the sheer numbers of people needing to be traced. So if you've got 160,000 new infections a day, that's that's pretty mammoth task. There's also been delays with test results and also just the huge spread of the disease in the community. It's always going to be a big task in a country of 320 yeah. million people. But even if you don't get to the tracing, you really need to be doing the testing. What's the state of testing in the United States at the moment? Well, they're a bit like us, I think, as well. So they've increased testing. There were some problems at the be- right at the beginning of the pandemic when some dodgy tests that didn't work properly were sent out. But that, that's been um, resolved now. But it's still not perfect. So I think one measure that of whether enough tests are being carried out is to look at the proportion that come back with a positive result. So if you're if you're getting all your cases, only a small proportion should be positive. The WHO says, the World Health Organization says that less than 10% of tests should come back positive, but ideally it should be less than 3%. So in the US, around 8% of tests are positive, and that's about the same as the UK. So Mr. Biden has promised to increase the number of drive-through testing sites, which I suppose a drive-through is a very American uh, solution, and also invest in new kinds of tests. So we'll have to see. Yeah, we heard Donald Trump saying on several occasions that, of course, um, if you do more tests, you're going to have uh, more cases. Well, I think Donald Trump said they were doing too much testing, didn't he? There was said we need to slow down. Slow down the testing, exactly. Speaking of... um, misinformation. (laughs) That is, in fact, big challenge number four on your list, which is combating misinformation and listening to science. Donald Trump mocked Joe Biden at a rally in October for saying that Joe Biden would listen to the science. I just think, I mean, not having Donald Trump there is going to be a huge boon for combating misinformation. So, you know, Donald Trump was touting things like hydroxychloroquine. A couple of weeks ago, I started taking Wondering whether... People should be injected with disinfectant. disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way? You know, it's openly criticising his advisers. So I'm assuming Joe Biden won't be doing things like that. It's hard to talk about coronavirus without people referring to the pandemic as um, an unprecedented event. Pandemics like this are, of course, not totally unprecedented. And governments do have or should have a plan for pandemic preparedness. And boosting that plan is the fifth and the final challenge on your list. Yes. I mean, the, the US always used to be known as it's sort of the kind of exemplar for its kind of mid, military style readiness to tackle disease outbreaks. And so it is, I mean, this is quite a surprise how badly the US was prepared for it. 
But there's been a lot of cuts to key American institutions. So, for example, the Centers for Disease Control, um, which has really been sidelined during this pandemic. Normally, you would they're the sort of equivalent of the Public Health England in um, the UK. So in England. <laughs> but um, so they are, so they have really been sidelined. I mean, they are huge. I mean, they've got so many experts in so many different infectious diseases. And there were quite a lot of cuts to the CDC prior to the pandemic and other um, sort of pandemic preparedness planning um, bodies. So all under President Trump. Yes, yes. So Mr. Biden, so he's pledged to reinstate the, this is quite a mouthful, the White House National Security Council Directorate for Global Health Security and Biodefense. So that was established by President Obama. And that was all about, you know, global health security and tracking pathogens and things like that. So, I mean, obviously, Joe Biden is going to reinstate something that he set up or he had a hand in setting up. So maybe that's not a surprise. And there was also this program called Predict um, that was run by a, an organization called the EcoHealth Alliance. And they would be the people that actually go into the field. So they're like the proper virus hunters. So we did a great feature on them a few years ago. And they go to places like Sierra Leone or China or Vietnam, and they go into these like bat caves and they go and, you know, because bats are there the reservoir for these huge outbreaks and they go and take samples and test them and have a look at them and their that program was all about predicting hence the name predict the next pandemic and that was funding was cut so you know Biden says he will reinstate that funding so that's that's pretty good and he has also said he would open reopen the CDC office in Beijing so again that's quite a that sends out a message (laughs) what's your impression Anne of which is Joe Biden's biggest challenge that we've discussed I think the biggest challenge will be the misinformation and the vaccine skepticism which kind of you know they all roll into one really so speaking to social media so I mean I think Twitter and Facebook they sort of and Google have pledge to combat misinformation but you know it's very hard to fight so I, I think personally I think that will be the massive one and if like you say if, if 50% if only 50% of people get a vaccine then you know we know it's not it's not going to stop so we'll have to see see what happens the rest of the coronavirus latest news The UK's R number has dropped to between 1 and 1.2, according to government scientists. The Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, also known as SAGE, said the reproduction rate of the virus continues to fall, but it warned that deaths and pressure on the NHS will continue unless the R rate drops below 1 for an extended period of time. A number of 1 or above means the epidemic continues to grow. But on Thursday, the government announced a record high of over 33,000 new daily confirmed cases in the UK. You can check whether cases are rising or falling in your area by using our interactive tracker. I'll put the link to that in the episode description. A drug used for multiple sclerosis was shown to nearly halve the chances of developing severe coronavirus symptoms in hospitalised patients and may prevent deaths. A new trial in over 100 COVID patients at nine UK hospitals suggests an inhaled version of the treatment interferon beta-1a 
meant patients were twice as likely to recover within two weeks as those given a placebo, even if they were sicker to begin with. Those behind the research published in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Journal are now calling for larger trials. You can read more about that trial by reading our health editor, Laura Donnelly's full write-up of the research. You'll find the link to that in the episode description. And if you don't already subscribe to The Telegraph, you'll want to head first to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where you can sign up to 30 days free. If you have a question about the virus that you'd like an expert to answer on the show, email me at coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. If you send me the question as a voice note recorded on your mobile phone, you might even hear yourself asking it. And finally, if you found this podcast helpful, please share it with a friend or on social media. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.